It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Wonderful finish! Fabulous free kick. He's done it again! 96 minutes in, Brandon Williams off the pitch, bleeding in the dressing room at Manchester United, concede a gutting late equaliser. And with it suddenly dropped from third into fifth. A really disappointing draw, one that feels like a defeat. And yet, Manchester United are 18 games unbeaten now and still have Champions League qualification in their own hands. It's a series of conflicting feelings as we enter mid-July. So we're into another two games very soon as well. Crystal Palace on Thursday in the league, Chelsea on Sunday in the FA Cup. And today on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, we look back at the 2-2 draw with Southampton, a 3-0 win against Aston Villa, and then look ahead to Palace and Chelsea. It's a busy episode. Jack, we're recording half an hour, an hour after the full-time whistle at Old Trafford um, on Monday night. The first words of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after United concede that late equaliser were, it's all part of the learning curve and we didn't deserve the three points today. And he is, he is basically right, bigger picture stuff, uh, a kind of necessary hurdle for these Manchester United players, but a really stomach-emptying one, a really, uh, yeah, a really, really gutting late goal to concede. It's been a long time since I've felt so frustrated and so deflated at the end of a game and Solskjaer's right in that it is all part of the learning curve and in terms of the bigger picture of getting top four all all is certainly not lost we still have comfortably the easiest run in on paper at least out of the three of us with Chelsea and Leicester we still play Leicester on the final day so it is still in our hands if we win our three remaining games even if Chelsea win their remaining games and Leicester win their next two games, we still have it all in our own hands. We would still get top four if we win our last three matches. But it is it was such a, a body blow to have that late goal going against Southampton. And Solskjaer's right that we didn't deserve the three points. It was not a good performance. It was pretty awful actually for long stretches, especially the first and last fifteen minutes. Yeah. But you just thought that we'd done enough to grind yeah. out a win and that, that final goal was, it was a, a real gut yeah. punch. Well, I, I said in the intro, a, a series of conflicting feelings and it really is because it's both, it's that mixture of, of the, the, the real disheartening end of the game. And it, it was gutting and you just sat there, um, obviously no one at the game and everyone would have just sunk back into their sofas. And yeah, it, it, it was a, 
yeah, a, a stomach emptying feeling. And yet here I am an hour on kind of come to terms with it. We, we've drawn to Southampton. It's not the end of the world. We, we're still 18 games unbeaten and it is still in our own hands. And so you've got that weird uh, conflict in your, in your brain as a, as a kind of a mixture of fickle football fans and, and, and one who, who tries to look ahead and, and look at the bigger picture. And so it's, yeah, it's strange. But the, the, the point I mean about it being a kind of a necessary hurdle, a necessary thing to happen in the development of this United team is it, it's, it's obviously the worst time for it to happen, but that means it's, it's really impactful. And United had chances to win that game, uh, not just in terms of stopping the late goal from the corner, but in terms of finishing the game off. Martial and Rashford both should have scored another because they did both score in the first half, but they both should have scored and they'll be sitting there in the dressing room at Old Trafford pondering the the chances that they missed in that game and thinking about what they could have done better and they'll be replaying those and they'll come into training over the next couple of days and and work really hard to make amends and and improve their themselves as players and I think that's that's a, that's a big motivational factor um and and yeah this is uh this is a positive spin Neil Ashton Edward was PR man would be very happy with me saying all of this but <laughs> It's uh, you've got to take the hope out of these situations, and this is a, a developing United team, and it's it's one that's going to have to go through these. It's a shame it's happened now, but because it's happened now, when we're in such a good run, when there's such an important set of games coming up, it, it does make it more impactful to to this squad. It does, and every team needs to face some hardship to, you know, develop the mental toughness in their game. You, you think of Man United's best teams, certainly in the last couple of decades of you know, 99 and 2008, and they were teams that were incredibly mentally tough. And it, it takes going through some hardship, like conceding some really, you know, gut-wrenching late goals to kind of build up that that fortitude. It was, this game was the first time in a long time, probably since the Spurs game, that our front five, all of our front five actually, had pretty poor games. You know, I thought Bruno Fernandes was unusually ineffective. He really did not have an impact on the game. Paul Pogba was very sloppy from the first minute and rightfully got taken off after about 60 minutes. It was obviously at fault for the first goal. Mason Greenwood was very quiet. He didn't really do anything particularly wrong, but he, he just wasn't involved in the game very much. Marcus Rashford drifted in and out. He had some, some good yeah. moments, but was still, you know, he kind of ghosted through the game at times. And, and Martial, despite scoring one wonderful goal, was extremely wasteful at, at other times. But then you have to also look at the flip side and say, even in a game where our front five were pretty poor all around, we still created three or four opportunities that, as you said, should have been buried. You know, Rashford getting a shot blocked from (laughs) two yards out, Martial having a a great chance before it was even uh, 1-0 to Southampton, where he should have uh, scored after nicking the ball off Ward-Prowse. There's also a great Martial run in the second half where he probably should have squared it to Greenwood. they, they all... They were all really good moves as well. I mean, the the, the Marshall nicking the ball off Ward Prowse was was a a good bit of pressure, but not a great move. But Rashford and Marshall both could have finished off beautiful moves uh, that that they created with themselves. Especially that Rashford, the Rashford miss. I mean, that that move yeah. was brilliant. Rashford's skill to go past Walker Peters, the slide will pass down to Martial. Yeah, absolutely skins him, puts it through his legs, leaves him on his heels, and yeah, a lovely move. And and that was his thing. It was it was a game where. We we didn't keep possession that well. We didn't create that well, uh, and, and still, it, it wasn't just that we did create chances that we we created them in a in a really nice way. And 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 Martial's goal was was brilliant. His hold up play. We're going to talk more about about 
well, we, I guess we can talk about them now, but the hold-up play that Martial showed as he was basically being fouled and he probably would have got a penalty if Rashford hadn't scored the chance for uh, for Rashford's goal yeah. was was brilliant. And, and something that, that we, we, we... I don't think we've seen that much from Martial even when he's on form. Is And, and he, he's, he, he has done this role really well over the last two weeks, especially last three or four games. It was brilliant. He, he, he first to control Pogba's cross and then as he's falling to the ground to kind of just poke it into Rashford's pass. A great finish from Rashford. But both of those goals that United did score were really, really good ones. Oh yeah, it was. It was a brilliant ball in from Pogba as well. I was actually, when you know, when you when you look at that, the way that that play was set up with Pogba getting the ball, I think from, from Wan-Bissaka out on the right-hand side, you had about five or six Southampton defenders in the box with just Martial and Rashford who... You know, neither of whom are amazing in the air. Yeah. So I was just thinking in my head, Pogba, please don't cross it. Let's recycle the ball, you know, create a better opening. <laughs> but I mean, the, the cross, whether it was intentional or not, was brilliant, sort of low into the feet of Martial. He does brilliantly to hold off the defender. And then as he's kind of falling down, his leg's been taken out from under him. Yeah, he's he's done so well to, yeah. to squeeze the ball out to Rashford. He put in a good finish. It is encouraging to to see that even on a day when we don't play well, and we really didn't play well, I think that you know, that for all the talk of us being positive, we have to acknowledge that we really didn't play well for the majority of this game. Yeah, it was a poor uh, game, yeah. It was. We, we did not react well enough at all to Southampton pressing us so high up the pitch in the first 20 minutes or so, which is eventually where the goal came from. But despite that, we did still create some good chances. We still scored two goals. When you, if, as I think it's more of a sign of our progress that we can still do that. You go back to, you know, the start of last season. Our bad games under Jose Mourinho were, you know, no shots on target for for the whole game and not one clear cut chance. Yeah. Even going back to the, to the first half of this season, it was like that too. And so it is a sign of progress that even when we are playing poorly, we can still create three or four very good opportunities and score two goals. The the problem is obviously that. You know, how do we avoid another performance like this and the fact that we didn't end up seeing the game out? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, it, it was a poor game for for all kinds of reasons. And it is just disappointing that we couldn't ride over this this bad performance and still come away with a win. And we really should have done because the reason we didn't win was individual mistakes. In the yeah. end, it was Martial missing a chance, Rashford missing a chance. Bednarek getting above four United players in the box at the end to head that ball on and then Lindelof not being able to hold Obafemi off. But the positive thing is I'm, I'm just looking back at United's results here and the last time we didn't score two goals in a game or more is the, the first game since the restart against Spurs, which means we, we did it against Sheffield United, Norwich, Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa and Southampton. So six games in a row where we have scored two goals or more. And, we, yeah. and in, I think, all of those games, we should have scored two or three more. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, it, it, it's these these conflicting feelings. But the the, the one thing actually that I, I meant to say and, and and forgot to just a second ago is the the role of of Wambasaka just before he gives the ball to Pogba for Rashford's goal is brilliant. It was, it was that a typical yeah. Wambasaka that kind of he did something that that shouldn't really <laughs> that shouldn't really be effective or happen. It's it's, it's not something that you ever, you'd ever teach a footballer. No, the ball's but bobbling everywhere, kind of stuck under off. his feet. Yeah, which is kind of a lot of what Aaron Wambasaka does in in both attack and defence. Is kind of yeah. just 
kind of flobber all over the board and, and something happens and he, he he comes out with it at the end and it, it all goes well and actually the 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 Rashford goal that was disallowed just before that I think was a brilliant bit yeah. of play involving Luke Shaw and a, a fantastic ball, ball to, to to Rashford who was just offside but both of those fullbacks did did really well and, and had pretty good games um we we tweeted out for for questions straight after the game and got a, a whole load of them so we're gonna run through a few of them and, and go through a a few quick themes of the game, but but firstly, the the decision not to send off Aurel Romeo for a terrible tackle on on Mason Greenwood. Jack, uh, you've refereed games before. Uh, your your views on that? Yeah, it was one of those tackles that you you would never spot normally. I at least in real time, you know, it didn't look like anything. Yeah, particularly bad. It looked like Romeo just sort of came across and and put his body in. You sort of see it in the end on on VAR. How you know he sort of came in with his his foot relatively high and his shin, sorry, his, his studs kind of go into the side of my, uh, Greenwood's shin. I don't know if it was enough to give a red card with the current rules of of VAR. I think you know the the threshold they've set in England to overturn a decision like that with VAR is very very high. Same reason I don't think Fernandez's penalty was overturned against Villa, which we'll come on to. I think if I if I was seeing that for the first time, and if you'd have asked me without needing it to be sort of this, what, what's the term they use? Clear and obvious error for VAR. Yeah. I probably would have given it a red card. I don't know if I could say it was a clear and obvious error from the ref. I think if you'd have given that a yellow card, which you can't do through VAR, which is another thing that I think is ridiculous. But anyway, I think if you'd have given it a yellow card, I think that also would have been a, a fair decision. It's one of those that, you know, we can feel a little bit hard done by, but I don't think it was a. A stonewall red card for me. Yeah, I think I, th- I think the problem with VR in in England has been that they they made so much of an effort to minimise the impact of VR on the Premier League that that what yeah. they've actually done, well, they, they they have done that, and yet by doing so is is they've made its its impact both more more minimal, but also bigger because it because it's it's consistently failing um yeah it's just confusing now yeah and and they've done that by telling referees not to well referees to to, to try to avoid the use of pitch side monitors which they they stuck to very firmly for the first half of the season and then went a bit more flexible on but not enough they they've done it with the clear and obvious rule they've done it with not allowing uh yellow cards to be given after VAR yeah. has reviewed it only red cards it's all of these things have, have been designed to to minimize the impact and yet there's a lot it, it, it's ruined the the point of it i don't want to talk about VAR for too long and, but... and it's so, it's so difficult it's so difficult in football to say that you're only going to use VAR in in sort of match altering situations because so much in football can end up being a game altering situation because yeah. things happen so quickly you know, you think, take for example the fact that it's only used on penalty decisions and not free kick decisions. Sure, yeah, in the face of it, that seems like it makes sense. But a free kick can very easily go in. Or, you know, if you you only are able to use VAR for potential red cards and not potential yellow cards, okay, sure, I guess it makes sense in the moment. But then that same player gets booked later in the game, having yeah. not got given a yellow card through VAR in the first half. You know, it, it it's, it's a difficult one. But yeah, I, th- I just think the FA of and the Premier League have gone through such, to such lengths to try to minimise its impact on the game. It sort of ru- ruins the point of it in the first place because yeah. the whole point is that we want it to intervene and get the decisions right. But anyway. Yeah. 
but I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think Romeo being sent off or not was an awful decision, and there were definitely a lot of things that we had in our own our own hands that we should have improved on to actually get some something out of the game. Yeah. Well, to, to be honest, I I thought, yeah, I th- I think it, it I think it was was probably a red. I think it was. It, it was it was late enough and studs up enough and his leg was extended enough. He he hadn't really tried to to pull out of that challenge. I think all of those factors yeah. meant you don't know where the intent's there and intent shouldn't really matter either. But it, it clearly was dangerous and it was it was a bit reckless because he, he didn't make any effort to pull out. Whereas someone like Eddie and Ketia for Arsenal, I think last week tried to well. It didn't try to pull out the challenge, but wasn't yeah. trying to do anything and did a similar thing, kind of a, a bit higher in the air and, and probably a little more dangerous and yet got got sent off for that. So it's, it's, the problem with refereeing is always a lack of consistency and it's always going to be hard to get because you've got individual referees. That's, yeah. that's, that's the way it is. Um, let's talk about a, a couple of questions that were sent in on Twitter. Uh, Ken Cross says, any concern that that performance is is carried over to the next game? I think there's, there's definitely a possibility, and especially for United, because some changes are going to have to be made. We've got Norwich, um, sorry, we've got Crystal Palace on Thursday and then Chelsea on, on the Sunday in the Cup. So there's going to have to be some changes in the league game against Palace. Can, will it be carried over? Well, to be honest, this kind of links into to another question we got from Ike, who said, a slow start again, is it time to make changes to the team? I think we, we we also saw a slow start against Bournemouth and, and Aston Villa as well. So it's definitely the last three games and there's definitely some signs of of tiredness, if not fatigue, in, in, in some of United's key players. Bruno Fernandes has lost a, a bit of the the energy that he, he gave United so so importantly. He, he's still, I mean, he got assist on uh, on Monday evening. He got an assist on a goal against Aston Villa. So he, he's he's obviously still contributing in a massive way. But he's lost a bit of the verve that he had a couple of weeks ago. The same goes for for some other players. So the the slow start is a concern, and and yeah, that performance probably will be carried into Thursday. But it's it's Solskjaer's job to make sure that doesn't happen. However, he does it. Yeah, it's a good point. We have honestly, even throughout all these good results, we've started a lot of these games slowly. Against Sheffield United, we were quite slow out of the blocks the first few minutes. Against Brighton, we started a bit better. Yeah. Against Villa, it wasn't particularly good, and we were lucky to be in the game by the time Fernandez won his penalty. I think Fernandez is a, is a tough one, and you've seen even, I, you know, I can even think back to like the, some of the Europa League games before lockdown kicked in. Solskjaer was almost frightened to to drop or not drop, but rest Fernandez, and it quite understandably because he has yeah. made such a huge impact. I think eventually, you know, I always also remember the, the game against Derby in the FA Cup when he played and we rested most of our starters. You know, I can understand why he doesn't want to rest yeah. him because he has been so influential but I think yeah he's definitely going to have to play at least start at least one of these two games coming up in the rest of the week off the bench and you'd imagine it would probably be the Palace game the problem then becomes who do you bring in instead obviously we it comes back to our lack of options but yeah definitely going to have to be some changes I was surprised that we didn't have any changes today against Southampton I can again understand why and I I definitely wouldn't criticise Solskjaer for that but yeah it, it was never there's a reason this is the first yeah. time we've had five games with an unchanged lineup since 1993. You know, it doesn't happen very often because it's just not sustainable to to play the same eleven constantly when, especially when you're playing such high intensity as we have been in the last few weeks. Yeah, 
and I, th- I think it it highlights an issue that that we've we've known we've had for for quite a long time, which is a, a lack of options in in the the reserves yeah. or, or on the subs bench, and and there, there there's got to be a bit of concern about how United didn't see that. I mean, see that game out. We were never that comfortable, so it's not not quite a question of of seeing it out, but didn't manage to hold on to that win. Uh, and that goes to to the players and on the pitch and and the coaching staff as well in terms of how they managed it. But the the true problem is that Solskjaer would have looked to his bench there, and it, it, it is hard to know what to do because you want to leave the Mani Matic on. He needs a rest, but you want to leave him on because he he is that that solid glue in the United midfield and and important when trying to hold on to a lead. You kind of want to leave Pobber on to to keep the link between the deep midfield and the defence and the attack when he went off we definitely lost that I think it was very noticeable you want to keep Bruno on for his creativity you want to keep Martial on for he was playing really well Rashford was playing well Greenwood was a bit out of it but he's the best finisher in the team and can score a goal out of nothing and then you look to your bench and, and you've got Dan James who can give you a bit of pace which is good in, in, in the final few minutes as, as we kind of saw um, you've got McTominay who can come on and, and can he solidify things he gives a bit more energy he can intercept things but but you you look to that bench at 60 minutes at 70 minutes at 80 minutes uh for added time and you just thought there's there's nothing there's nothing there that that will really give you the confidence that either united are going to go on and get a third goal or are going to be solid enough to see this out and so there was no real option except to just carry on like we were playing yeah, it's it's a tough one. You know, the lack of options is definitely hurting us, and it has done throughout this season. We saw, you know, when Pogba got injured, when Rashford got injured, the the options that we have to to bring on either during a game or sort of in between games is very very limited, and it is a massive worry for us. It's why I think that you know, for example, despite Greenwood's great form, signing Jaden Sancho should still be something that we try to do. It it's never a bad thing to have more good yeah. players. We thankfully haven't really had to worry about this lack of depth in recent weeks because we've done so well to wrap games games up by sort of 60 or 70 minutes. And I did feel yeah. for the coaching staff and they didn't have that many options, you know, sort of thinking about it like 60 minutes or so when you could see that we needed another goal to settle the game. I, I would say, though, I, I disagree slightly in that it was all about the lack of options because I, I personally think that Ollie and the coaching staff take quite a bit of blame for the way that we approached the final sort of 15 10 minutes of the game you know we always used to complain when Mourinho was in charge that the way we tried to win games is that we get a goal and then sit back and at the end of games you just hope to hang on rather than trying yeah. to see the game out in a positive way you know you look think back to when Van Gaal was in charge and for all of his faults the one thing that United were great at under Van Gaal was seeing out games because we were great at keeping possession even if we didn't really go very far with it and it's something that I think we should have tried a lot harder to do because from 75 minutes onwards, we I don't think we got out of our half once. You know, maybe one counter-attack, but there just wasn't... I think it, and there, there was no intensity, no real desire to get out on the counter-attack when we won the ball back. And I can understand why you want to, want to you know, try and preserve the lead and sit back and not take too many risks. But I think if you're going to do that as a, as the coaching staff, you have to bring on, or bring on Odi and Igalo in that situation. It's the only striker that we have who can hold up yeah. the ball properly. We saw it with, go back to the last game before lockdown uh, in the Premier League, McTominay's goal to seal it. The, the build-up to that comes from Igalo holding the ball up so well, back here, healing it to Fred. Yeah. 
you know, Igalo is perfect for that situation. He's probably not going to create masses of chances, but he could have at least given us some breathing space. Because I know the goal ended up coming from a set piece, but for 10 minutes before that, we didn't get out of our own penalty area once. Yeah. And it just, I like to ultimately, the way, the reason we were in the position of needing to see out the game and only having a one goal lead wasn't down to the coaching staff. It was down to some poor finishing, some really bad individual performances. But I do think that Ollie and the coaching staff have to take some of the blame for our failure to see that game out and the way that we so negatively approached that final period. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it, it needed a brave decision because Martial was playing well, even though he'd missed a couple yeah, of chances, and Rashford was. was playing well. And it needed, yeah, it needed the coaching staff to say uh, th- they're playing well, but we're still going to hook one of them or two of them to change how we, how we finish this game. And that's fine. And they didn't do that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. They, they have to take uh, some, some responsibility for that and maybe be a bit more assertive with their substitutions, a bit more creative with their substitutions. Yeah, um, agreed. A couple more questions before we go on to preview uh, or, or to, well, we can think back to the Villa game while, while we're talking about these, but then to, to preview the, the Palace and the Chelsea games. Um, Mark Dowd says, can United really be a major force without a successor to Robson and Keane? They, they outclassed us in midfield because we lacked a ball winner and control. And, and the, the, the thing about United's midfield at the moment is it, it, it doesn't have that, that figure in it. it kind of, I think it, it's all right without that figure. And the, the Keane Robson midfielder is, is basically a thing of the past in most teams, as much as, as, as we might like it to, to still exist. Because you've got Matic, who is, who's sitting deep, plays, passes through the lines quite a lot, mops things up. And Pogba, who's very good at taking the ball and, and connecting the the, the defence and the attack. And then Fernandes, who's very creative. So you haven't got that ball winner. Um, and I guess your controller would be Pogba. And Pogba had an off day. And yet when he went off, you could really see that there, there was no link between, for, for however good Fred has been, there was no link between Matic, Maguire and Lindelof and, and Wan-Bissaka and Shaw, to be fair. They'd come inside and have no one really to pass to. Whereas when Pogba is on the pitch, he he takes the ball off Wambasaka Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, Matic, and gives it in a in a good way, even if it's just a simple pass, gives it to Fernandez, Martial, Rashford, Greenwood. And as soon as he went off, you you noticed that yeah. was missing. So can United be a major force without that? Without Robson or Keane? Yeah, because most modern teams don't have that figure. The City team of of, yeah. of of ten years ago, or, or or seven or eight years ago, maybe had a, a bit more of that. But any more, you've got Fernandino who, who who sweeps things up at the, at the bottom. Kevin De Bruyne, who's a great box to box player. United would want either Bruno or Fana- or, or, or Pogba to do that. Um, so it, it's not in the modern game. So we can, but it was Pogba being off, and, and you saw his importance to the team. I think through his through his weak performance today. Yeah. I- and again, I think it comes back to depth. I would say what made Roy Keane and, Bo- and, um, and Robson so special was that they were players that could do both. They could be that sort of enforcer type that was so good at, at you know, mopping up attacks and, and really putting, the, putting their foot in in midfield, but also was so great on the ball. You know, yeah. especially in the case of Roy Keane, it's the aspect of his game that really got lost. And I, I was actually watching, wait, this is kind of off topic, but I was watching... Um, the Wayne Rooney episode of Gary Neville's Soccer Box the other day and, and Rooney commented that when he first came to United he was so surprised by 
how good Roy Keane was on the ball. And it just isn't really a, yeah. a profile of player that's in the modern game anymore. People seem to be have kind of specialised a lot more. And so you get either the enforcer type or the sort of controller. And you're right that we have that yeah. in, to some degree in, in Matic as the enforcer and Pogba as the controller. The issue, as we've said already, is that when Pogba has an off day or when he's injured, or when the same thing in Matic's case, we don't have anyone to come in because Fred isn't good enough defensively to play the enforcer role. But you'd also argue that he doesn't shift the ball quickly enough or forwards enough to really play the controller role properly. And then in yeah. Tomlin, you do have a bit of an enforcer, but he's not quite as good defensively as Matic, I wouldn't say. So it, it's yeah. tough. We just, we don't have the depth and that's that's what we need. Yeah. Um, let's let's quickly talk about the Villa game. It was it was a great game, um, and we started slowly. Very very fortunate penalty for Bruno Fernandez that shouldn't really have been given, I don't think. Um, but a, a brilliant Greenwood goal, his sixteenth of the season, and a lovely past finish from Pogba as well. Um, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much there is to say about the Villa game now that we've we've had the Southampton game, but it was another really pleasant. United game. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the first twenty minutes, to be fair, were quite nerve wracking. We did not start well at all. Villa were very, very good. Yeah. Trezeguet hit the post. Grealish had a good chance at the back post, and then we got a bit lucky with the penalty decision, which I personally don't think was quite as bad as a lot of people are, are making it out to be. Again, like I said earlier, I think with VAR, it's hard to overturn a penalty like that. But then after that, you know, we we stretched our legs and and kind of showed our class really I mean Mason Greenwood just continues to be a revelation that the finish for that second goal was something else I mean just the power on that shot it felt yeah. like he shot from about six yards His out right how foot. quickly it made it into the net um, and it was great to see Pogba getting on the score sheet as yeah. well and just lovely seeing the moment as well Pogba's celebration I know it's it's, it's a big um, it's big lightning rod I think that gets used by people to accuse Pogba of not caring or not wanting to be at Man United, the fact that he doesn't smile much on the pitch. I don't really read much into it normally, yeah. but it was very telling, I think, his reaction and how happy he seemed to get that goal finally. And yeah, yeah quickly he ran over to Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. And and to be fair, we saw the same we saw the same when, when Martial scored his hat trick. Um but also we saw the same in when he when he scored that that great goal against Southampton. He he looked he just looked really satisfied yeah. with it, and and to be to be fair, you've got to remember these are professional footballers; it's their job, so then they're not necessarily going to be completely buzzing every time they do something good on a football pitch because to them it's not quite as unusual and exciting as it as it is as it would be to us. No, of course. But there there are moments that are going to give even these kind of ice cold uh, to to use the Martial expression players some 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 big satisfaction, and and that certainly did. Um, Pick it up on the the Pogba conversation that we kind of left just a a minute ago. Mark was also saying, should Fred or McTominay start ahead of Pogba on Thursday against Palace? Now they they might do so um, in order to rest Pogba for the 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 FA Cup semi final against Chelsea on Sunday. Now, I if if you're starting your your best United team, Pogba's definitely in there um, and has cemented himself in there in, in the last few weeks actually. If you don't have Pogba in that midfield, I think it's it has to be quite a different United team, which is what we saw when he went off against Southampton. You're, I think without him there, you're much more reliant on 
Rashford and Martial creating their own chances or Bruno creating chances for them. You don't get that kind yeah. of whole team working together. You don't get Shaw and Wambasaka in the game so much. You don't get Matic in the game so much. You don't, you don't get those team moves. Instead, you get some individual brilliance from from the other players. So uh, against Palace, if if United are going to rest Pogba or or Bruno, you'd think we'll have to play a bit differently. Yeah, you're right. It's something we actually haven't had to think about. So how do you create chances for Manchester United without? Well, certainly recently without both Pogba and Fernandes or potentially without just one of them. It, it's it's going to be tough. It really will. And we will have to change the way that we play. We'll probably be more reliant on the creative abilities of Rashford and Martial and Mason Greenwood if they all play together. And I think that's probably a reason why they've all been in such good yeah. goal-scoring form recently because they haven't had that burden to have to come deep and try and create things for others around them as much. They have been able to very much to just focus on you know, being in the right position to pick up Bruno and Pogba's passes. But listen, I think you, you'd have to say that at some point we are going to have to rest players. It's a tough decision whether you do it against Palace or against Chelsea because it's going to have to come against one or the other. The one benefit that we have is that we do play after, uh, definitely after Chelsea and I think after Leicester. Double check. Um, but no, let's see. Um, sorry, one second. Oh, we play at the same time as next. Uh, okay. The one benefit that we do have is that we at least play later than Chelsea. Chelsea play tomorrow as we're recording this. They play on Tuesday. We play on the same day as Leicester, so we won't have the benefit of seeing their result. But, you know, if Chelsea were to drop points, then maybe you could say drop uh, rest players against Palace. It's a tough decision. I would probably I would probably say yeah. rest one of Pogba and Fernandes against Palace and rest the other one against Chelsea. I think going into a game without both of them would be a big, big risk. But then you could also say that, you know, you then, you almost lose the benefit of having them both on the pitch, which is so huge. So is it worth maybe taking them both out and then playing them together? You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's just, it swings and roundabouts. Well, I think we, we've seen, we've seen different tactics, especially with five subs. You, you do have the opportunity to, to start your best team get the results sorted yeah. and then and then hook them off at 50, 55, 60 minutes. So there's a, there's a possibility of that. And it, it's, there's definitely some, some signs of tiredness. Yeah, you could see Martial, especially at the end, looked, looked like he was blowing a lot. Yeah, but, but the, the honest truth is either, either United get through it and, and these players get through their tiredness and still perform or they're not successful this season. I don't think... United are going to finish third or win the FA Cup and, and the Europa League without having to rely on their best players because it is the starting eleven that's good for United, whereas the squad is remains average. Um, yeah, let's just see that. Well, the the questions were about fatigue. We've kind of answered those, and and Ek very quickly says who plays left back since Sean Williams are out. I think Sean we will be fine for Thursday. He just rolled his ankle. We should be fine after a bit of ice on it um, over the next couple of days. If not, then you've, you've got Diogo Dallo can play at left back or Ethan Laird has just started training with the United first team about a week and a half ago. that He, he could play at left back as well. Um, so I don't think that'll be an issue. Uh, the Palace game, prediction, and then prediction for the Chelsea game and we'll wrap things up. Well, I mean, Palace have been in a bit of a uh, backslide recently. So you'd think that we could go there and hopefully wrap up the points yeah. relatively comfortably. Again, it's just that that dilemma of uh, it's not going to be comfortable exactly. though, is it? Not not at this stage of the season after no, exactly. after and, this and kick And as up. we said last week, it's, 
every every game feels like the game that could be the banana skin. But I mean, Palace have now lost five in a row, including against Aston Villa last uh, at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, building uh, so up. So I'll go there, for a two-nil yeah. Palace win. Now I'll go for two-nil, two-nil United win. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll go for a two-one United win. Uncomfortable, but I mean. While you were thinking there, it, it, it suddenly dawned on me that we haven't said just how ridiculous the Premier League results were this weekend. Um, watching that Bournemouth-Leicester game, I, I, I cannot remember a, a, a scoreline like that where, yeah. I mean, Leicester are not one of the, the traditional, the elite, the top four or top six or whatever, but they, 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 they were third. And and they went one nil up at half-time and, and kind of played Bournemouth and they looked, the park. And they looked very, very comfortable as yeah. well until... And then and, and to lose four one, it, I just yeah. And they they should have yeah. lost five one. Um, Sam Sorridge should have scored another for Bournemouth in, in like the ninety third minute or something, one on one with Schmeichel. But yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't. I can't remember a, a result that 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 strange. And, and there were there were plenty of other strange results. And they, and they and all just went seeing, United way. A whole team meltdown as well. Yeah. No, you sometimes see you know a mistake here or there, or yeah, you yeah. know maybe one player making multiple mistakes because their confidence goes, but was everyone, you know, you had Schmeichel's an awful kick to give them the, the penalty for the first goal. Then Soyuncu with terrible defending for Solanke's goal and then, and then kicked out <laughs> Wilson to get himself sent off. Then Fuchs for the, the fourth goal gave the ball away. It was just yeah. a calamity. But um, I know and it makes this result against Southampton so much more frustrating as well. Yeah, Someone yeah. actually just did a thread on Twitter earlier of how lucky Chelsea have got when they've dropped points this season. Well, and I think there's something like eight or nine separate occasions where Chelsea have dropped points and then we have proceeded to drop points on the same weekend. It's every time. I think it was James Duck who tweeted it when Chelsea lost this weekend, saying that United, I think United have failed to capitalise every time Chelsea have dropped points this season. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, it, it, it's a real shame and it, it does, it feels like it happens all too often. Right, the next time I think we'll talk to you is after the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea on Sunday. So Thursday night, 8.15 against Crystal Palace. That game's on BT Sports, I think. And then Sunday, BBC Sports, 6pm against Chelsea in the Cup semi-final. Jack, by the end of the week, will Manchester United be in the, the behind-closed-doors coronavirus special FA Cup final? <laughs> yes. Uh, you're more confident than me. That, um, that wasn't very confident. Yeah. I think the only, the only reason I'm saying that is because we Solskjaer has had Lampard's number so far. Was it three wins now? I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, to be fair, if you'd asked me yesterday, uh, or if you'd asked me about four hours ago before the Southampton game, or even an hour ago when we were we were looking like we were heading into third, um, then I I probably would have said yes. But that, I mean, to be fair, I, I I think I've all I I have I've left over. Uh, ghouls of, of of playing Chelsea and losing to them, yeah. especially in the FA Cup. So um, I'm never going to be confident going into a game against Chelsea, just like I'll never be confident going into a game against City. I'd, I'm, to be honest, I don't think we'll we'll beat them because I think I think we'll beat Palace. And I think we'll go out to Chelsea. I think that I think but one of the I, big... I actually also think it could be the opposite way around. <laughs> I think one of the big sort of de- deciding factors in this will be when and where we decide to rest players because I think if we decide to yeah. rest players against Palace then play our full strength team against Chelsea I'd, I'd be pretty confident against Chelsea if we decide to go into yeah. Palace with our full strength team which I actually wouldn't hate because as much as I want really want to win the FA Cup I do think Premier League is the priority at the moment especially when we still have another well, decent be- shot at silverware in the Europa League 
then yeah i th- i, I would have i would have said the same until it became kind of within our hands to finish third and i think now if united don't finish third or at least fourth then then even though i i rather i'd i'd be fine getting into the champions league by winning the europa league i'd still be really disappointed just because it, it's something we should have done is finish third but go on, carry on what you're saying before yeah no i should say it's, it's hard to to know what to to prioritize just I'd love to win the FA Cup. Yeah. I really would. But at the same time, I think for our future, especially getting into the Champions League is probably a bigger priority. And I think if we won, if we won the Europa League, I'd, it would still give us that great moment, I guess is, is what I'm getting at. But I think, I think the, the yeah. where we decide to rest players will probably end up having a big bearing on this because your, your head says rest them against Palace. That's the easier game on paper anyway. And that you know, there's a decent chance we could beat Palace with a weakened team, and probably less chance we could beat Palace. We beat yeah, Chelsea with a weakened you've team. You've got to think it like that. But then, uh, I would yeah. personally would say the Palace game is more important. So, do you then play your stronger team for that? I, I just don't know. I, it's an envy, enviable uh, position. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think I think a cup semi final still has to be more important than than against Palace. I think, especially would, because would, we've we've still got Leicester to play. Less. Right, I would have Leicester agreed have to with play you. Sheffield United. I would have agreed if we won today. But now if we yeah. if we drop points against Palace and Leicester win their next two games, which I know they have pretty difficult fixtures, you know, it only it only takes us dropping three points from here. You know, we lose say we lose to Palace, then even if we beat Leicester on the final day, because our goal difference is worse, unless we smash them, that might not be enough. Yeah. 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 I I, I just that's no matter how much the cup has has demised, the the cup semi final will always seem more important. But I think you, I think you've got to rest players against Palace. I think it's in the natural thing to do, especially because anyway, we 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 spoke for too long. Right. Um, and, and and I'd I'd much rather you know rest players against Palace and then have to bring them on in the 60th minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Than, especially with yeah. five subs as well. And United should be should be sorting that game out. Um, nevertheless, so, I mean, I guess you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of options. You've got to rely on the on the coaching staff to sort it out, and if they don't, well, then you can start asking some some questions. Um, right, that's that's definitely all we have time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you as always for listening, and thank you to those who who left reviews on Apple Podcasts. We had one from Ginger San. I can't actually. I think that was from Ireland. We had, I think it was Michael Byatz from the US and Colin Lahan or Lahan from Germany. I think I've pronounced that last name wrong, but there we go. Apologies, Colin, uh, who said he's listened from the start. Um, so thank you, Colin. And thanks to everyone who's left reviews. They're, they've all been really kind and uh, certainly certainly make a, make for a nice evening when United drop points at home to Southampton. Anyway, uh, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 on the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Right. Big week for Manchester United. Uh, Palace on Thursday. Chelsea on Sunday. Could be in with uh, favourites for the top four and in the FA Cup final by the end of the week. We'll speak to you then. Have a great week. Goodbye.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.